began slightly by talking how does fiction survive and, and the way you set your novels. And it's, I mean, it's a difficult question to ask about the immortality of your own work, but do we live in a time where perhaps we, we have less patience with, with, with the sorts of joys that, and, and demands that fiction um, make, makes of us, so, you know, this, this sense of uh, things passing too quickly. We want, we want the cloud, we want, uh, is it Vine, which you get segments of segments of segments. Um, I was wondering whether, where you both see the novel as fitting into. I'm something of an optimist here. Okay. Uh, yes, I hear what you're saying about uh, ever brief attention spans. And wasn't that, uh, there's a song that uh, uh, was really popular amongst my daughter gets furious when I mention her in interviews. <laughs> but uh, uh, kids of my daughter's generation, there's a uh, couple of teenagers from Brighton had a moment of fame about a year ago called The Rizzle, Kid, Kid, uh, the Rizzle Kicks. Oh, yeah. uh, they had a song which I feel encapsulates the zeitgeist perfectly. It's called Skip to the Good Bit. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and that's the whole song. Of it. <laughs> Skipping to the Good Bit. Oh, come on then. Now, now, this is there, but those last four Harry Potter books are thumpingly enormous. And the 12 year olds that read those when they came out are now reading Michelle, perhaps they're reading me uh, I like to think that the cultural dominance of um, narrative forms that do a lot of the work for you, that seduce you with a character and plot, perhaps at the expense of ideas as per a uh, book like The Magic Mountain. Um, I like to think that um, kind of starvation sharpens the appetite. I like to think that as uh, brief forms get popular and instant and, and the instant classification problem, and again, I don't think this is particularly now the conversation. I mean, we, 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 we could have been sitting with a hundred years ago and, and been worried about penny dreadfuls and, mm-hmm. and, 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 or, or, or in the 30s about the pernicious dangers of the comic and, mm-hmm. and, and how young well, people... the 19th century, the pernicious dangers of the novel, probably, yeah. Perhaps. So I'd like to think that um, perhaps books of the type that both Michelle's most recent and mine most recent are... Uh, there's actually a sharper appetite for them and that uh, diet of muck actually it's there, it's easy, it's instant and convenient and put it in the microwave and hey you're not hungry anymore, that that itch has been scratched but actually it's going to make you relish your really kind of your next really healthy good organic, good for you whole food stuff that's going to taste bloody wonderful after a month of travelling. Uh, so I'm an optimist here, uh, and I think the novel, the novel's imminent death, that bell has been rung so many times. The final line of the novel originally was... BG saying to Peter, be careful, take care of yourself, it's a dangerous place down there, and Peter saying, Scout's honour, and holding up three fingers. 
And I was explaining to Eva, this is a perfect end. It's a zippy line, and the three fingers are like a gothic, you know, archway, and they're the Trinity, and because he used to be a Boy Scout, you know, it all fits. And she was saying, yes, I know, it all fits, but bullshit. Um, Because it just doesn't have enough resonance. People don't unpack the last line of a novel in the way that they do if they're reading a very short poem. They're, They're in the spirit of it, and then they just collide with the brick wall that appears to be the end of your novel. Um, and it's like, oh, is that it? You, you need something that is more resonant, that allows them to, to luxuriate in that moment a bit longer. And she really pushed. And so I went away and wrote what it is. Um, a digression of a... Digression, but God, I envy you the idea. I, this is it's one thing that I... I would have stolen from you if I could do it and get away with it, but you've done it now, so I can't. But uh, the chapter titles being the last line, uh-huh. just delicious. Mm-hmm. That hurt. <laughs> I, I, I like you very much, Michelle, but but I, I but 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 I disliked you for thinking of that before I thought of it. It's mm-hmm. beautiful and has that uh, entirely successful. Yes method got any kind of creation story you can give me uh, I um, want to know it uh, well I wanted it to be because it's, it's the novel has religious has a religious um, bedrock to it I wanted the idea of predestination or prophecy oh. um, so this notion that you get a little harbinger at the start of your reading experience which you can trust will be will come to pass as foretold yeah gotcha gotcha, gotcha. Um, but of course the trick then is is to to pick something which the reader cannot second guess until they reach the end you can't help trying to second guess you can't help trying (laughs) I mean there again I, I, I think we're both concerned with we're, we're concerned with the, with the depth of the thing and the layers of it, but we're also concerned with surface readability. And I think that one way in which serious literary writers have increasingly let down their readers and driven them into the arms of comfort fiction um, is by being insufficiently mindful of a reader's needs for fun and thrills and, and suspense. Um, Why is that? Why is, I mean, in some ways, are we talking plot, or is it... Uh, I, think, I think throughout the 20th century, for some reason, I'm not even sure why... Serious writers increasingly had contempt for for the average reader, and you can really see this in in the letters of people like Joyce and Virginia Woolf. They really um, they they were looking pe- for people who were smart enough to get it, and if you weren't smart enough to get it, that meant that you were the um, uh, the, the Molochs or whatever um, and I think that's very unhealthy I mean there's an interesting book called The Intellectuals and the Masses John, 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 by John Carey 
and it's the book doesn't do itself any favours because it ends up arguing that probably the greatest writer ever was Arnold Bennett because he was <laughs> such a nice guy and you know blah 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 but it it is a real eye opener about the sheer level of contempt that a lot of serious writers throughout the 20th century had for the average reader and I think that if you're a serious writer you you're almost obligated to provide the intelligent average reader with something that they can relate to and care about and if you're writing only for a tiny elite then that surely should sound an alarm bell of some sort. Well, I think in Old Money we're talking about elitism and snobbery and self-promotion at the expense of those below you and a kind of willful amnesia with the fact that we have been and we are also average readers. We are writers and when I'm immersed, which is the right verb in... Michel's work, for example, uh, I'm not a writer anymore, I'm an average reader. I get input from my partner, from Kay, about, um, about my work, um, and she reads manuscripts for me, especially where women are concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a way, my, my most regular um, informant about what's working and what isn't, uh, about the how cruel I can legitimately be cruelty being a necessary ingredient Mm -hmm. of your book unless you're A.A. Milne Mm -hmm. Um, the informant is myself as a reader uh, and to cut myself off from that uh, and to scorn it um, would be to cut off my oxygen supply I feel Um, Where's the dishonour in wanting something that your mum's going to love and your mum not happening to be Virginia Woolf? (laughs) uh, This is perhaps anticipating a further question, but I read science fiction as a kid fairly uncritically. Things that now read better than they read even at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Dispossessed, Left Hand of Darkness, these wonderful books that I think are timeless Uh, and I read the Lensman series Mm -hmm. by E.E. Doc Smith Mm -hmm. yes yes they had the Chris Foss covers yeah 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 yeah, yeah. really good covers (laughs) I thought in in a way that was my first uh, I digression after digression after digression but uh, that was my first encounter perhaps with high vowism and low vowism Um, and I, I, I didn't know why some books were gripping me and why I cared about the fates of some of characters in some books more than others, but I certainly knew what was happening. I was contradicting myself about the high-brow, low-brow thing. It was all science fiction. There was the good, the bad and the ugly in it, uh, including some texts that I still think are, 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 are imperishably good. And I also learned that some girls are bigger than others. Uh, keep that out. Uh, some books are more successful than others. Uh, some books, you, you continue to think about them uh, for far, 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 far longer than others, which you've forgotten almost before you've finished reading them. 
Um, how come? Why? I first thought about these questions in the context of genre, in the context specifically of science fiction. Uh, I've, now, I've, I've now answered uh, questions you haven't even asked and have spoken for too long. Your way. <laughs> I, have to, I have to blow clothes rather than push them. I think that when you when you go back as an adult and particularly as a writer and you examine one of Asimov's robot stories mm. with Susan What's her name, the, the robot specialist. A, you notice that she just isn't a woman <laughs> and that any woman reading that would immediately tell you, look, Isaac, I don't know what creature this is supposed to be, but it's not a woman. Um, and B, that there is nothing in those stories that allows in the chaos element of real life. Yeah. It is all about the fictional construct, about the robots and the laws of robotics. That, that's what that story is about for him. And that is all it contains. And I think what we come across when we're young and uncritical readers is sometimes we will read a story in which there are flashes of the chaos of real life that enliven it, literally, that, that bring life to it and that affect us deeply in ways that we don't understand. And when we go back as adults and reread those stories, we realise that, that that's actually the heart of the story, that the story which appeared to be about whatever the sci-fi theme was is in fact about the humanness of humans and that it's offering us insights which we perhaps weren't even ready to absorb at that age. But we recognised we were in the presence of something worth knowing. Is that a right to say, like, Stephen King? I wrote him avidly as a kid and didn't realise that actually what I was reading wasn't just horror stories, but they were stories about problems in families. Mm -hmm. I was just focused in on the the way the plot was, was dragging me in. And now as an adult, I think about... Pet cemetery is sort of him wondering about death and the afterlife and all these sorts of things and can you bring you know things back and suddenly you realise these books are about all of King's slightly insane um, but but very sympathetic uh, sort of anxieties and and worries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a sci-fi story by someone who you'll have to Google because I can't remember the <laughs> name, but it's called Last Rites and Resurrections, and Eva taught it to her higher pupils. It's a sci-fi story, but it's amazing in, in the way it tackles grief and the, the desire to bring, bring the dead. You were mentioning Pet Cemetery mm. to bring the dead back. Um, very, very fruitful story for, for any young person to read and, you know, grown-ups as well. Genre isn't material. It's tropes, it's styles, it's handrails, it's... At its least exploratory, explorative, um, cliche, but a cliche can be great news because you can invert it and tweak it and twist it just a few degrees and suddenly have something extremely original. (laughs) Um, I think as a kid we might not realise this and we think that horror, in the case of King... Is, is what the book is and here I am paraphrasing you James but 
this is actually what genre is. It, 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 it isn't the bricks, it isn't the blocks, it's kind of what you do with them. But that appears to make no sense. Well, science fiction, it's spaceships. <laughs> but of course it isn't. Uh, it, it, it's, it, it's arguably science fiction because there is some technological artefact that probably has a name in theoretical circles, uh, uh, MacGuffin style, but, uh, that, 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 um, that does not happen to exist in our world. Or fantasy is fantasy because there's this thing called magic, which is a manipulation of the laws of physics, which cannot be manipulated as they are manipulated in our world. But, 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 but this twist, it, 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 it isn't a noun. Uh, it, 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 it isn't usable, gloopy raw material that you can make anything out of. It's perhaps more of a subvertible recipe mm. rather than the food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that makes me uneasy, I don't know if it makes you uneasy as well, is when reviewers talk about the stunning originality of our ideas <laughs> um, because it, 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 it shows that these people have probably gone to Oxbridge and just read whatever, the classics <laughs> and haven't read any science fiction or genre fiction, fantasy fiction because we're, we're, we're dealing with we're treading territory that's been trod before it's just that we're handling those materials those techniques those, you know, we're cooking those flavours in a different way, in a way that is more likely to appeal to people who would otherwise only be reading Conrad or whatever. Where was I heading with that? Um, um, you're saying uh, that it makes you uneasy when reviewers praise your blinding originality. <laughs> Where have you come from, Major? I mean, I I think David's been conscientious not to mention names. I will mention one. I've read a number of interviews with V.S. Nepal, and it is clear that for him, literature ended in 1940, like everything is postscript after that. So it it means that all all the thrills and spills that we've seen in the narratives that have arisen since then everything in the movies and in sci-fi and in comics, which a tremendously vibrant, fertile narrative field. Yeah. It's None of it is significant in his universe because, um, you know, it's... The, the age of literature is past. He in, Instead of reading, even out of curiosity... Um, a graphic novel, he will reread Jane Austen or something. I can't imagine anything more. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to choose an adjective for that. But you know, um, <laughs> that's. I. I guess what I'm I'm saying is is that. It's it's alarming if serious literature remains um, closed off to all the potentials of 
narratives in, in recent times, all the exciting stuff that's been out there. Beth, you do get thrown d- words like dazzling and original and incomparable. And, and these, I was wondering how, how, you, how you deal with that and also how you deal with a sort of the literary culture around you. I'm happier than I would be if the adjectives are shite, <laughs> a waste of space, a total waste of space, abominable and execrable. And, 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 and these, in the course of a working life, will get furniture as well. I wanted Canongate to put a very negative quote from, from a um, very far northern Scotland regional newspaper onto Under the Skin, and they wouldn't have it. Oh. Well, Ian Banks famously did that, you know, for the Wasp Factory. He put all the, when they said, this is built by the disgusting uh-huh. Daily Mail. Yeah. Uh, the most remarkable. <laughs> of course, everyone ran out to recycle. Yeah. <laughs> Does it, because uh, it sounds, I think David said to me that mm. you don't read really, oh. No. Uh, I, 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 I ask which way the wind is blowing. Uh, well, no, it, it's actually really simple. Um, I, I've, I've, I've got an even simpler policy that I applied with this book. I asked my agent to give me the, um, name of the publication and then positive, mixed and disobliging uh-huh. if it's positive I ask for the name in case I ever run into them and it's something I'd like to know if it's negative, if right. it's disobliging I ask for the name so I can tweak it slightly right, right. and exert a petty revenge in the next thing I write all put cocaine in there. It's very childish, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's very childish, but it makes you feel better. And that's, and that's kind of the extent your relationship with... Uh, this I, I read them shop. all. You read them all. And I read them with great interest, and I especially like the occasional stinker. Do they hurt? No, they don't. When people write reviews explaining why my book is shite, I just find that interesting. It doesn't hurt at all. The... Well, um, I find they... I... I, 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 th- I th- think of them as wasps at the picnic of the calm mind and, <laughs> and, and, and I want the calm mind to write with but, yes, even, but, yeah. but, but even the good ones do you not uh, exult in them and does that exultation not feel uh, and if so does the uh, or is the exultation not somewhat distracting they're, they're not relevant to the work, the work is what it is they are I'm sorry to say this in your presence no, no. But, but they are they are part of um, of a buzz in all senses of that word that, that, that surrounds that work as it is being published. And that buzz can be very welcome. And if the reviewer is particularly acute, then I might meet them in other contexts in future years and become an acquaintance or a friend of theirs. You know, it's, it's fine. But it doesn't, it's not actually relevant to the work itself because I have such a sense of works of art as, as a time capsule which, if history is kind, find their way into the hands of people who know nothing about the author, know nothing about the artist, know nothing about the musician-composer, know nothing about the reviewer know nothing about the publisher, the patron. All of that is gone. There is only the thing itself left, which either speaks or doesn't. When I write book reviews, below the line there might be six or seven comments, and I once wrote an article for the main part of the newspaper about Victorianism and benefits grounders, and there were hundreds of comments. 
which puts books into you know puts yeah. fiction yeah. into perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I think for David, that's a slight different. It 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 can it can sort of play on you. David Cunningham doesn't read reviews. Oh, he, he told me that, and I think he's. I've only read a couple of his books, yeah. but he's an extraordinary writer. Yeah. But he just chooses not to read reviews. Maybe I'm. Um, less able to detach myself emotionally from them. Uh, the stinkers still. Uh, now I'm um, quoting Ken Kesey. Uh, mm-hmm. Honey, <laughs> he said to I think um, he wrote Bridget Fonda. Uh, no, no, um, uh, Bridget Jones. Uh, Bridget Fonda. Fielding. Somebody yeah. I think I read this in a Helen Fielding interview where Ken Kesey and, and, and if it's not her then I apologise vastly please check that the dates at least sure. overlap so they couldn't <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't <laughs> say on the oh, there's this thing in, in the bone clocks where, where Chris and her she notices that um, laxness has got estimated embryos but it's too anyway go I think on. I read an interview where Helen, with Helen Fielding where she said Ken Kesey had told her I don't read my reviews honey the good ones don't help and the bad ones still hurt. <laughs> and that's exactly how I feel. Worse than the good ones not helping, I don't like the part of myself that is pleased by them. It's rather like the bit where Mr Bean gets the birthday card he sent to himself. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, uh, I'm, dis- I'm distrustful of ever believing it. Uh, Some reviews do help me in the sense that when a lot of people started commenting on how well I do female characters yeah. and how the, the men in my books were always shits or just lacking in some way, I thought, well, I, I don't want to be typecast as someone who dislikes men or who, who's always writing about strong um, uh, women that... that, that the, the reader loves. I'm going to write a book that has a really nice male protagonist, which is one of the reasons why I wrote the book Strange New Things. If I don't do this now, I'll forget the, uh, then the chance will come back, so just put this in brackets. But I loved, uh, again, was envious of uh, the, the window into him that you gave by his overuse of inverted commas in the letters. <laughs> I, I, I had this little, oh, this little buzz of pleasure each time I came across it. And there's lots of them. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly right. It's just, it, it both pinpoints who he is, but, but, but gives... Um, but it's more than... It's a symbiotic thing. It, it, it's, it's the pinpoint and it's a builder of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, I like the bit where she, um, she says, you haven't even offered to come home. Mm-hmm. And that struck some piercing by the way that we can just completely miss mm-hmm. the actual point of... Can I just ask you, with, the, with the, the sermon, can you... I did start to do it, um, and then just enough time, but can you actually decode? No, the... I don't have a glossary, no. I don't know what he's saying. But I want you to wish that you knew. I really, really wanted. Yeah. I started to kind of see if I was trying to look for a particular word, yeah. and I couldn't look for it again. Find out. It was that the Sherlock Holmes working out the dancing <laughs> yeah. men and thing. Yeah, no. I thought if I find that one bit, I well, I don't believe either of you, and I think that <laughs> it is a real language. Uh, and 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 give it ten years and you'll be able to take a degree in it like, yeah, <laughs> like you can with Vulcan and Klingon yeah. and Middle Earth High Elvish. Mm-hmm.